0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast, in your Week in IndyCar Series guest episode, the very first of 2020. We have our man, the Mercurial Colton Herder, joining us momentarily. Looking at the year ahead, his very first with Andretti Autosport, his second season altogether, multiple poles, two wins last year with the Harding Steinbrenner Racing Team. I'm telling you big things on the horizon for this kid. Going to get into our interview here very swiftly before we do, going to say thank you to Cooper Tires, back for their third year as our key partner along with the Justice Brothers year two, right up there in the masthead supporting all that we do plus TorontoMotorsports.com plus Bell Racing Helmets USA it's a fun little family we have Got a new updated logo as well for the show this year. Hope you like that. Some questions about it in the new listener Q&A show I'm going to record here shortly. Put up one yesterday, so two Q&A shows posted this week. Last one, a little bit of a lazy guy. Meant to get that out before the end of the year. I didn't, so you're going to get two. Hopefully, you'll enjoy them. If not, fully understand we kind of go off the rails immediately on that show. We try and be vaguely professional, polished here. And by we, I mean me. The Q&A show, it's a train wreck, but I love it. And I usually consume a fairly large and powerful beer of late for the Q&A show. So I can actually say, might be a little tipsy at times. Might be the excuse that gets used. But nonetheless, thanks to all of our partners that make this show possible. As we head into 2020, Thanks to you, the show has indeed grown and grown and grown. I look forward to it every week. It's a lot of fun. You all send in some great ideas on who we should have as guests. And so with Colton here to start off the year as our first, with the champ, Joseph Newgarden, as our last of 2019, feeling pretty good about what we're doing here. Last thing to mention, should have a silly season update for you, on Racer.com, here as well. If not today, Wednesday, by tomorrow, Thursday, that might have some nuggets you find interesting. So, with all that said, let's get going courtesy of Cooper, Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets with our man, second generation Phenom, Herdamania 2.0. We're kicking off the year with Colton Herda, and that makes me super happy. Are you home and and warmed up from last weekend spent in Daytona Beach, Florida, my man, with BMW Team RLL?
1: Yeah, no, it was awesome to be back in a car. Obviously, uh, the IndyCar season is, off-season is a lot longer than the the IMSA one, so uh, happy to kind of be in the position where I can drive some cool cars in the off-season. But no, all warmed up, it's it's beautiful in, in, in California here, so... Uh, yeah, it was nice to be back in the car though.
0: Before we get into the usual list of awesome questions that have come in, let's start with the roar Colton. So what was it two years ago or so where you were there, you weren't a hundred percent what your role would or wouldn't be in 2018, but it was a cool opportunity for you to kind of, you know, see the inside of a factory program, come back in 2019 to race with the team at the Rolex 24 and you win the freaking thing. (laughs) Uh You come back this year as part of the team and I'm not trying to blow smoke here, but it did stand out to me. You were, I think the fastest driver in the GT Le Mans class in your uh, BMW M8 GTE, the first couple of sessions and just right off the bat straight to the front. And it just occurred to me like, how cool is it? that you went from like two years ago kind of standing around not exactly sure what you might be doing with the team to winning mm-hmm. the thing the following year to being the guy who's quite often up front and fastest for them. What's that like, man? It's a pretty big transformation in a short amount of time, and I think it also speaks if you agree that seems like we throw you in anything and you're going to go to the front.
1: Um. Yeah, I guess. It, it seems to, it seems to happen. Obviously it takes a lot of work to, to be in the position to do that. But, um, to go back two years ago to, to 2018, um, it was, it, it made me realize how much I love racing cars because I was a full-time reserve and, um, I did maybe three days in the car in testing, um, and even when you do three days in, in that car and testing, you're still split between two or three drivers. So, you know, you're getting a quarter of a day, a third of a day. Um, but no, it, it it was so hard to to sit out every weekend to be flying to these places to, you know, fly all the way to like Watkins Glen just to watch cars, which obviously if <laughs> it's an important role just in case someone got hurt. And I was grateful for it. But at the same time, it's a double edged sword uh, because you're not driving and you're watching people have fun driving and it sucks. But, um, luckily I I did good enough in the tests and, and I think a lot of my IndyCar stuff helped the, uh, my reputation enough to, to get the race seat in 2019. And obviously the rest is history with, with, um, Sebring didn't go too well, but obviously the Daytona race was awesome and we were super competitive. And and again, a podium at the end of the year with, uh, with petite was, was really cool
0: let's move here into the Q&A that came in for you. Wanders all over the place, much like this show, much like my personality. And we're going to go first with our man Jordan Darwin. He says, Colton, what are your goals for the 2020 season? Uh, He also asks, have you seen any differences already from last year with Harding Steinbrenner to this year with Andretti Harding Steinbrenner? He says, do you get access to more people, information, etc. as an official and ready autosport employee? Now he says, looking forward to good things for you this coming season.
1: Um, so yeah, there, there is a, a big difference in, in team personnel. That's the biggest thing. Uh, it's a huge step up. Obviously he was working with maybe 10 guys, 15 guys, uh, last year to now working with hundred, 150 people in the factory. So, um, it's, it's a huge step up, obviously a lot more personnel, a lot more drivers. Um, and yeah. And the other question was, sorry.
0: Oh, he was just curious about uh, that in general, just any of the differences that you've seen and whether it's access to more people, information, et cetera.
1: Oh, that the, no, he said the, the goals.
0: Oh, the goals. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, on the BMW side, uh, trying to, Win Daytona again would be huge. Um, I'm kind of getting bored of my watch collection now, so I think I could use another one. Oh, look and, at that! And, uh, you get a Rolex yeah.
0: a year ago, and you're bored of
1: it already. Yeah, look I need at a this new guy. <laughs> I, need, I need a new one. <laughs> but on the on the IndyCar side of stuff, I really want to um, be in contention at the final round to win the championship, just mathematically. Um, whether that be a really outside chance or, or being really close in the championship hunt. I want to have a statistical chance of being in the championship hunt going into the final round.
0: That's maybe a good follow up to Jordan's question there, Colton. So I'm assuming some things here, but last year small team ended up being a one car entry. We know that, you know, everybody was fighting to get enough funding to keep the the party going, but, Mm -hmm. It would say it was a little bit of an unstable year that nonetheless had some amazing results. What's the mindset coming into this new season, knowing you're with a championship winning team, you know that everything's going to be solid. You know that you want to try and win a championship in your sophomore year. Do you approach a St. Petersburg, a Coda, a long beach barber and whatnot early on any differently because if you use the blueprint that so many indycar champions have demonstrated it's of course they're going to win if they can but more than anything they want to try and bank really solid points to start the year to get that title run going do you do you shape how you approach this year any differently with that title in mind
1: yeah i think so you obviously want to Start off the year right and have a lot of confidence but th- the same time you're not going to be upset with the seventh place finish in the first round uh just get solid points in the bag get the crew back into it get yourself back into it and and yeah i mean you look at Newgarden last year and there was maybe five races that he didn't finish outside the, that he finished outside the top five so um you need that consistency um, and And you need to bag points, but early on it's it 's mostly about getting comfortable again and 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 starting off the year right without without any mistakes from you or the crew
0: and he finished first, second, fourth, and second over the first four races, and yep. you know that really set the the tidal wave in motion. I guess the greater point being is that gap that might kind of vaguely be open at turn three at wherever where you hope the guy might see you if you dive bomb them that might be something Mm -hmm. you think twice about if you're going for a title. Whereas if you know going into the season, there's no way in hell it's happening. Maybe you stick it in there and and go home happy if it it pays off. And if it doesn't no harm, no
1: foul. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Let's go to uh, Paul Trahan says, Colton, if your band could open for anyone, who would it be? And you've got a lot of band questions and drumming questions coming up, by the way.
1: Oh, cool. Um, If I, could open up for any band. I would say, um, boy, with our style of music, I think it would fit good with with anybody from like X to like The Strokes. Wow. I think it would be really cool to open up for like The Strokes at the Forum here in LA. That would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. Uh, our man Tyler Graff asks a follow up question from your last appearance, I believe, in late September says Colton have you watched the movie driven yet? Driven. Sylvester Stallone 2000
1: Oh oh cart. oh, oh. <laughs> no but i have seen clips of it and um no i haven't. I think <laughs> no. I don't i don't have that much interest in in watching it but i have watched a lot of youtube clips on it. Mostly the the crashing scenes and and stuff like that. Um
0: I'm, I'm, I'm seeing month of May driver's motor coach lot with your coach, assuming you have one and having Mm -hmm. a viewing party. I'll bring the VHS cassette or whatever is needed and Uh, damn it. We'll get some, whatever beverages you might enjoy and we'll invite, we'll see if there are other drivers, probably younger drivers who haven't seen driven and damn it. We're going to cross it off the list. I might have to film it just because I want to see the reactions to the, the glorious worst racing movie ever made. But we're going to have to, I think that we're going to have to get this done. Maybe we can project it on the side of like the IMS museum. Now that would be kind of fresh.
1: Yeah. I'd be, I'd be definitely be up for that.
0: All right. Uh, I feel
1: like I have to see it. I feel like it's part of the cart culture. You have to see it.
0: Just think of it this way. When you win it, when you win Indy, and you're drinking that milk and they're asking you the first questions, you can say, you know what? It's Joe Tonto. He he and Bo, you know, all the drivers from Driven really showed me that there was another gear to pull. Um, (laughs) So we have a listener by the name of Jim Kaiser, who every week sends in haiku. And I assume you know what haiku is. If you don't, that's okay. Uh, Jim says the first haiku of the year is for your guest Colton. Young Mr. Herda is a chip off the old block. This kid is bad fast. There you go, man. People writing haiku about you. How cool That's is that? That's very
1: nice. I don't think I've written a haiku since like, I learned about him in like fourth grade. But
0: now you got one. So
1: you know? Now I got one.
0: to, If you're going to have a I really bad tattoo, you at least you got the building blocks here.
1: Yeah, there we go. I'll write the haiku across my chest.
0: <laughs> or inside your lip. You know, one yeah. or the other. Uh, speaking of building blocks, we're going to go to our man, Bryson Frank, who says, Colton... As uh, almost the youngest driver in the field. It just occurred to me, you turn 20 here sometime soon, right? Teenage years yeah. almost done?
1: Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think. Um, I know it's not that old, but, you know, it, it feels like I was just at the go-kart track like last year when I was 12 and 13. So, yeah, time flies. It's crazy.
0: The brand is changing. No longer the teenage phenom. Uh, yeah. Bryson says, is almost the youngest driver in the field how do you think IndyCar should go about acquiring new and younger fans? He says, how would you try and promote IndyCar to fans of your age? He says, every time I attend an event, I find it difficult to spot many other fans around my age. And Bryson says he's 18.
1: Yeah, that's the biggest struggle with, with I think, every sport at the moment, um, drawing in a, an audience that, that'll keep the sport stable for the next coming years. So um, my biggest thing is, kids aren't into cars like they used to be. Um, I would say like my father's generation and stuff couldn't wait to get their license um, and, and drive cars. And it was really big to work on your own car and um, not drop it off at a dealership. And, and so the aspect of cars and, and motor racing and as a whole was, was really big. Um, I think from this, you have to take a different approach. I know a lot of people don't like it, but doing something like a concert or an EDM festival where you know what, maybe they're just there to see an artist, but maybe they catch an eye of, of the race cars in between sets or whatever. And, and they enjoy it. It's just about drawing people in, um, getting the intent, getting the attendance up and, um, you know, finding people that have no clue what an Indy car is, get them into like the snake pit. And maybe they don't pass out drunk and, and they end up (laughs) watching a few laps and, uh, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest thing because motor racing uh, is, is not as big with youth, obviously, as it used to be. So you have to look to what the youth likes and bring that to the motor races.
0: You and all that well-thought-out, intelligent suggestion. stop it. Um, uh, let's go to Jamie Rowe. I don't know if we're going to break any news here, but maybe you can give us something. Jamie asks, is there any news on sponsorship for your car uh, or what it might look like? In the forthcoming season,
1: um, no news as of yet. I know they're talking to a few people. Um, I'm not quite sure if I'm allowed to say or not, but um, progress
0: is being made. Maybe is the yeah, progress is the news. Is being made.
1: Yeah, yeah, progress is being made. I'm I'm happy with with the situation that I'm in, and there's a lot of good people at Andretti that that are good at finding money. So, um, and that's what they're doing.
0: Awesome. Uh, we're going to go to Ryan Terpstra. He says, "I know the answer to my question is going to be everyone," but he says, "Is there one driver you can think of that you'd really like to beat in the championship this year?"
1: Um, I think the biggest thing, like competitive wise, is you always want to beat your teammates. Um, That'd be a big thing, but you know, beating beating the Penske guys—they're always on it—and and Scott. So I'd say Joseph and. And Scott would be big. Alex, obviously, the just the big heavy hitters from the last few years for the championship. Um, those would be the the main guys.
0: Going to go to Eric Franklin. He says Colton. Is there more pressure moving to the quote mothership at Andretti Autosport, or are you going into the new season just calm business as usual?
1: Uh, no, I think. Maybe if it was like a new team to me, it would be a bit different. But um, with you've been there since there,
0: you were like five or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, my dad driving there for for a long time, and then um, doing indie lights with them. I, I know a lot of the the people there already, and I've known them since I was very young. So um, it's it's not like it's it doesn't feel like I'm coming to a new team. It feels like I've I've been there for a while.
0: Couple of arrow screen questions for you one from Wellington Neesley who says curious to get Colton's opinions on the aero screen says safety yes cooling maybe a little bit of a question mark oil and debris pickup not sure nighttime glare not sure Adam Smith also says how do you think it'll be to adjust to having the aero screen in front of you during race conditions you think you'd rather just have a halo or nothing at all couple of questions here what you think
1: um yeah this is a lot of unknowns going into the season for the drivers um because I know that I know they've tested it but it's completely different in a lot of these situations with the race running and stuff seems like they've sorted a lot of the problems that they had early on and it's seems like it's it's really race ready and it seems like it's going to be good um I enjoy it I think it's it's a good thing to keep me head safe sure. um and and yeah I know the the it's Pretty damn hot inside the car, from what I understand. Um, but you know they're working on cooling options, and who knows? Maybe it'd be a little bit of a of a more of an R and D thing if they're putting cooling tubes into the cockpit. You can redirect air to different places, and maybe it'll turn into a bit more of a game. There, the teams can find a bit of an advantage for it.
0: It'd be like the IndyCar equivalent of an F duct, almost of covering exactly. that up with your hand or moving it and such. And and you know, it m- might also be worth mentioning that. We're talking about why would the cockpit be hot all of a sudden with an AeroScreen in front of it? Isn't it open cockpit? True, the top side, but folks might not also be aware that you have some large and lovely radiators sitting yep. to your left and to your right in the cockpit. And
1: it-, it does get hot. you got the engine behind you. And the biggest thing is the air. You're getting hit in the face with, with air, which in turn goes into the cockpit. But now with the AeroScreen... Um, I think simple aerodynamics shows that you will get the air will hit the aero screen and fly up, not in. So there's that. Um,
0: let's go to
1: Mike Awesome.
0: That's a great name, by the way, uh, who's wanting to know what it's like to be a race car driver. He says, Colton, what was it like going flat out into turn one at Indy for your very first time and also the corkscrew at Laguna Seca for the first time?
1: It's really cool. Uh, I don't think there's a, a, another job I would take over being a race car driver. Um, it's it's pretty spectacular, and going into Indy for the first time in an Indy Lights car was was hairy, and that was probably one ninety two hundred. So um, going in at, at two thirty, turning into Turn One, it's it's a whole other bag of marbles. So it's really cool. I love I love to do what I do, and uh, you know as much as the travel is and, and the wear and tear on the body and stuff. It's totally worth it for me.
0: Robbie Bergren asked the first of a couple of uh, drumming related questions here. It says Colton, will we see you and Will Power have a drum off for any kind of pre-race segment this year? I mean, that does have to happen at some point, doesn't it?
1: It would be cool. I know Will. Will's actually a really good drummer, and uh, I've seen some of the stuff that he does. So um, it would be really interesting to. Just to jam out with him really doesn't even have to be a competition. I think it'd be fun just to just to mess around. But, um, yeah, I'm all for it.
0: Does the fact that he's an electric drum set guy. Does that diminish him in your eyes at all? The fact that he's not playing actual proper acoustic. I
1: I would say yes, but he has a kid. So, and a wife.
0: Let's see (laughs) further considerations (laughs)
1: different circumstances.
0: Uh, Kevin Goulet asks, he says, Colton, my kids are high schoolers in Santa Clarita. He says, where can they catch you and your, your buddies doing, uh, the zibs and your garage band best? Sounds like they want to just swing by and, uh, and, and take a listen from the street.
1: Yeah. Come on over to my house. Uh, (laughs) Um, I, we, uh, the best thing would be to follow the account on Instagram, the zibs. Um, we post all the information on our shows. We have a show coming up on the 18th in thousand Oaks.
0: Love it. How did the tour go? The tour late last year go, by the way, uh, that's something oh, that Brian right. Cohn asks uh, and also wants to know if you're getting any better groupies following you from show to show and uh, uh, how many drumsticks you uh broke on the tour.
1: Um, so actually funny story about the, the drumstick thing is I, um, so I had a a gig in Fresno during the tour and, um, the first song we played is a really fast, it's a hardcore punk song. So it's really fast. Um, and I was on the floor, Tom, and my finger slipped as I was going to the rack, Tom, and my stick actually flew in the crowd and hit some lady in the face. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. Um, she okay. Yeah, they were cool. I signed it and I gave it to her. So, uh, yeah, she, she was happy about that, but, uh, no medics no, involved to her, she, pull she it, it from her, her head. Yeah. She threw it back on stage. It was all good. We kept playing, but, uh, the tour was, the tour was awesome. It was really cool. Um, and, and really good turnouts too. So it was probably, you know, 300 people a night, um, Wow, 200 people a night. Some of the venues had a little bit less, uh, but on average I'd say it was that. So it was, it was actually, yeah, it was really nice. And Um, the the bands that we were playing with, they're really cool. Um, different genre of music, but, but still really cool.
0: What did you find in terms of fans and such? Were they there because of the zibs? Were some of them there because of knowing you and therefore getting to know the band?
1: Yeah, there was a few, uh, IndyCar fans that showed up. Um, a guy showed up in, in Phoenix. Um, I think his account name is like Chrome horn. And, uh, he, uh, he uh, had some some die casts that he made of my Coda winning car. He custom makes die casts and he made this die cast one eighteenth scale. It was really nice. Wow. He had me sign that. So um, no, that was cool. And then there was actually it was it was cool to kind of people uh, recognize me as the drummer for the Zibs, which is a little bit different after after the gigs and stuff, so it was it was cool.
0: Wow. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah, uh, a little
1: different. Let's
0: see. Let's go to Thomas uh, Ayrton, who says, Colton, do you ever wish you could go back and be a part of the old pack-type racing that we had in the early to mid-2000s? Uh, and also says, uh, maybe similar to the last time IndyCar was at Fontana. I don't know if you watched some of those, but, man, uh, kind of had to cover your eyes sometimes because it, it got frightening at certain points.
1: Yeah, they were. it was nutty. Um, no, I don't really... I don't really enjoy that, that type of racing. Um, I think it, it is quite, quite nutty and crazy. I think the format that we actually have now is really nice. The Eric kit's really nice. We just need a little bit more downforce and I think it wouldn't be pack racing, but I think everybody would kind of, I had a really good car at Texas and I could pass, but it was, it was good passing. It wasn't pack racing. And I think if we had a little bit more downforce, I think everybody would be racing like that. So, um, you know, we're not talking much. I think maybe 100 pounds, 150 pounds, 200 pounds of downforce. Um, and that would be enough to, to kind of not bring it back to pack racing, but bring it back to racing where you can pass basically the whole race.
0: Eli Hoopengarner has two-part question. He says, Colton, you're heading into turn one at Indy. Yes, where do you put your eyes? It's a curious one, right? Uh, it's not directly in front of you.
1: No. So I think a lot of... The biggest thing, like when people hop on simulators and stuff is they're used to driving on the street. So they're used to seeing looking 40 feet in front of them We're we're probably looking about 500 to 800 feet in front of us. So by the time we're at the apex of turn one at Indy, you're already looking to the entrance of turn two. So, um, just because the speed's moving so fast that your brain needs to process it. So your eyes need to be looking so far forward. Um, but going into turn one, probably about where the yard of bricks is, um, you can start to see where the wall ends on pit pit lane and, um, and you can start to see the curbing and stuff. So you're kind of looking at that white line there. Um, and then as you hit the apex there, you're obviously looking up and, and further down the road.
0: Eli also asks as a drummer, what's your favorite
1: rudiment? Rudiments. Um, So my favorite rudiment is probably like a single stroke roll or a double stroke roll. Uh, The simple, simple rolls um, are usually my favorite. That's that's what I practice on the most.
0: Good man. A bit of a follow-up to an earlier question. This comes from at the NASCAR times TNT says Colton, after joining forces with Andretti, were there any eye openers resource wise? that you saw with the full Andretti squad that made you realize, oh boy, I wish we had that last season with our smaller single car operation.
1: Um, yeah, I think there's, there's just the, the amount of personnel is crazy. They have their own painting booth there. The, the machine work that they do on the parts of the car uh, that we didn't have last year, um, all the stuff they do for the brakes and the dampers uh, is pretty incredible. And not that we didn't do it last year, it's just the sheer personnel that they have to do stuff. So instead of showing up at the track with maybe two or three sets of new damping options, they'll show up to the track with, with maybe 10. So, um, and, and they have probably four or five guys sold damper guys on, on the weekends too, which we didn't have that last year, obviously with Hendretti technologies, we kind of got to reap the benefits of that. Um, but, now they're kind of more in your corner now that you're fully on the team.
0: I love it. On another HSR related note, I saw that your former PR rep, Liz Van Oostenberg found a new home at Wayne Taylor racing, working with them and IMSA. So uh, good yeah, for her.
1: happy for her. Yeah. She was, uh, she was incredible to work with. I've known Liz. So um, Liz's first job in racing was in, I believe in like 2012, 2013, Maybe it's a little bit. Maybe it's like 2014, uh, working for my dad when he had his sole Indy car team. So he hired her as a PR rep, and that was her first job out of Purdue University and straight into the racing world. So I've known Liz for a long time. So she's also working with with uh, Anders Krohn and that yep. uh, co-, co force. So uh, I was happy to see that, that she found a new home and and still gets to live in Indy and stuff. So rock star there.
0: Uh, let's go to John Paul Ray, who says, curious what your personal goals as a driver are for next year obviously you already mentioned wanting to go for the championship but i'm always curious colton when i look at a driver like yourself young developing we know that there's title potential there you'll often hear drivers saying you know on just simply the the dynamics of driving the actual performing the art of driving these are this is the thing or things year to year i want to tighten up or improve curious using John Paul Ray's question. Are there things about the dynamic inside the car that you've set for yourself to do better or do differently going into 2020?
1: Um, no, because I think I was, I was so strong at the end of the year. I don't want to be driving any different. Um, I think the biggest thing is you look at um, me and Takuma, who are the only people that won more than one race that weren't in the championship fight. Um, everyone else, Dixon, Rossi, Paginot, um and uh, new garden oh sorry power as well was in the championship but he also won two races um so i had a really strong year last year on paper with the two race wins but um the other results that were kind of averaged uh, that's what i want to work on
0: mayor of moosetown brings back the music i think this is just going to be part of your career dude which i'm happy about cuz some yeah. folks <laughs> only get racing questions and i got to admit those get kind of <laughs> boring if that's all you have uh mayor of moose town tony moss says colton i checked out the zibs online really cool stuff he asks did you ever meet dick dale before he passed or know who he is consider him an influence at all and uh yeah i'll just stick with that
1: no i never met him um as an influence um
0: king of the surf guitars
1: yeah not really um for the For our style of music but but obviously he's a cool dude, but never got to meet him no
0: big fan of Dick Dale uh, let's go to Eric Vanek, who asks, "Are there any old school tracks that aren't on the IndyCar calendar that you might have watched back in the day where boy, if you could put one back on, what would it be?
1: I really like the uh street circuit at Vancouver that was a that was a cool track. I'd love to do that one in, in, in Michigan, and in Watkins Glen would be cool uh, for sure, and in an IndyCar around Watkins Glen would be, uh, I think, pretty spectacular. Oh, I love it.
0: Jonas Magnuson asked, Colton, who do you think might be Rookie of the Year in 2020?
1: Isn't there only one rookie?
0: Well, we've got... Oh, Renus. Yeah, we've got Renus, Palu, and... I mean, oh,
1: Palu, yeah, yeah. I don't know if... Um,
0: I, I can't think of any others at the moment, and I don't know of any others coming in that would be true kind of full-season rookie contenders, so... Might yeah, be a, so
1: Re- Renas is kind of out of it, right? Because he's not doing all the races. Um... I thought he... Oh, no, Connor's not doing that. Correct,
0: the races. yeah, he's full-season, uh, yeah.
1: He's, okay, he's full season uh so him ask you and Paulo I don't know it's another rookie class that's really stout um i think Paulo has more experience in professional racing than those guys do um so that might play play a role in the early parts um but you know we saw the same thing with uh, with Felix i think and and me like he he had the he had more professional racing experience he he was really strong right at the beginning of the year so um obviously i had that one race week weekend where, where i won in the beginning of the year but uh i think overall i was kind of behind him in the beginning of the year and in terms of general speed and, and qualifying effort and then races and stuff so um it's going to be tough i think alex is going to be really fast in the beginning but i think Ren- both renas and Asky are really quick guys too so they should be they should be in the mix um you know they should be in the mix their half season, late in the season. So um, it's another stacked rookie class, which is um, which is great for IndyCar, but it's bad for me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I think I don't know if folks have <clears throat> enough of an appreciation for how good Renus and <clears throat> Oliver happen to be, as my voice yeah. cracks when I go through puberty yet again. Uh, I don't know if folks really understand that for the second time In consecutive years, we have the top two Indy Lights badasses moving up. We Granted, Pato had a bit of a spotty year last year with not being able to do the full season, but uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if folks fully appreciate that. The story isn't over. The party isn't over. Um, There's some folks who followed right behind you and Pato who I think are going to really, really impress uh, everybody next year. I
1: don't think it'd be out of the question as... If to see one of those guys in the fast six, and St. Pete too, so it's it's going to make qualifying a lot tougher. I think in the races, um, just like I did and Felix did, they're going to struggle with the tire wear and the feel of the car early on. Um, but I think one lap pace, I think those guys are going to be right there. We'll see in the race, they'll get it. But um, it, it's it's tough, right, early in the year to 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 be right there the whole race, so
0: absolutely all right we're getting down to the last couple uh let's see where should we go where should we go james freshy asks colton how do you prepare for each track is it on a simulator do you walk do you ride a bike take your renter rental car out the day before practice and do you memorize do you try and memorize every aspect of each track that's an interesting one right especially when you're haven't been to some of these tracks you know 15 times like some of the veterans Mm -hmm.
1: you do um, race a lot of these tracks growing up in in single seaters and stuff coming up through the ranks. So you do have most of them memorized the ones that you don't, obviously you spend more time on the SIM Um, at home simulators for sure. Professional simulators. It's hard to get in before every race weekend um, just because we, we use the Honda one and it's quite expensive to run it all the time. So we get a select few days um, that aren't enough to go for every track, but we get most of them in. Um, but the biggest thing is, is the, the telemetry that we have now, the onboard, um, it's better than, than even walking the track now because the cameras are so clear and the telemetry is so good that, um, you know, you can, you can be ready to go in the, in the car in, in an hour and, and know every aspect of what gear you have to take, where you have to brake, um, and including what the track track conditions are going to be like because you have practice one from last year and, and obviously the break zones get later and the speed gets higher as the weekend goes on and the rubber goes down so you have a lot of uh stuff at your disposal to to be ready for the race weekend
0: two to go my man first one from nathan cook obviously you've spoken about goals in terms of championships and all that but nathan's wonders is there a, a single race you're most excited to return to and participate in this season he also asks Will we be hearing any new music from the Zibs this season?
1: Um, yeah, I'm really excited to come back to Daytona and, and try and defend the win there. Indy, um, again, I think uh, didn't get a fair shot at it last year. We obviously had some car problems early on in the race that, that, that sucked, but um, we were really fast, so that's really encouraging to return. Laguna Seca is going to be awesome to come back to, um, hopefully in a championship winning position. Um, and hopefully I can repeat what I did there uh, last year. So it's a lot, a lot of stuff to look forward to into the next season and new music for the zip. We just released an EP. So it's a four song EP. Uh, we got, we got a lot of stuff recorded that we're just kind of still mastering and waiting to release, but we'll release some stuff uh, probably in the next two months, probably some singles.
0: I just love it, man. You know, Herta announces gonna have to skip Texas. He's recording an album, you know? He's a little busy. Uh he'll get back to the racing when he can. Yeah. All right. Let's get to our last question, which I say for last because I love these. It comes from Grant Stouter. Thanks, Grant. It says Colton, you're on a boat and it's sinking. You have with you your drumsticks, your preferred hair care product, and a taco. From King Taco, you can only save two of the three. Which two do you pick on the sinking ship? Um, jeez. I mean, tough. I think it should be pretty obvious here. But do I have
1: uh, a hat on.
0: I don't. There's nothing that says anything about a hat. Your drumsticks, hair well, care product, for sure. and a taco.
1: It's saving the taco. Well, honestly, I could probably chow down the taco in one bite and then grab the other two things. But for these reasons, I'll take the taco and probably um, – oh, geez. And it's right there. I don't know. It's kind of split even there with the hair product and the sticks. Oh, uh, if but I had a hat on, I'd take the sticks. If I didn't, I'd take the hair product.
0: But see, if you're in the water – it doesn't matter if you've got a hair care product. It's not going to do anything. The drumsticks, although they're small and light, it is wood. Maybe they'd be a little bit like flotation devices. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I think we... I'd, I'd say drumsticks and taco for sure. You're going to need energy.
1: you got to ponder over that one.
0: <sighs> Grant, thank you. Existential questions to close. The first Week in IndyCar episode of 2019 guest episode with Colton Herta. Thanks for taking some time, my man. Looking forward, truly, to seeing how your Rolex 24 at Daytona goes. And then, next thing you know, you're heading right out to Circuit of the Americas for spring training.
1: Awesome, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. Again, I love doing this, and I love answering the questions. So, uh, thank you to all the people that submitted the questions. There's some good ones in there. And, um, yeah, looking forward to this year. Hopefully, I'll see all of you at a racetrack soon.